Hi everyone, welcome to the Reitzel Brothers Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Curtis. We are the co-hosts of this podcast. We are investor-focused realtors working with our clients to help them build massive wealth in real estate. This is a place where we talk about real estate investing, wealth, and giving back. Make sure to check us out on YouTube and join our private real estate investor group on Facebook called the Tri-City Real Estate Investor Club. Links are in the description. Enjoy this episode. Thank you, everybody, for coming out. How's everybody doing? Good. Good. Cool. So we're looking to have a lot of fun today. This is our guy, Mike. We're going to be interviewing. But before we jump in, a few housekeeping items. So here's a rough timeline. Obviously, it's rough. We're starting a few minutes late here. We're going to do an interview for about a half an hour. Then we're going to talk about a few deals that Mike did. Um, we're going to go through some numbers. We're just going to have an open discussion about it. Um, as much as you want to share. I appreciate that. And then we're going to do a purposeful 30 minutes of Q&A at the end. So just do your best to hold your questions, write them down or whatever, you know, put them in your phone, and then we're going to do a purposeful you know, Q&A. Obviously, this timeline can kind of change, but I know some people are, are pretty you know, sticklers about timelines, so we do our best to follow a timeline here. So just about us real quick, our team owns about 15 million real estate, we're active realtors and investors, I know we had that slide up before, but just so you guys know who we are and what we do, um, we have about now 400 members in the club, in the investor club, which is really cool, so some really, uh, really powerful and successful investors and the goal now is just to get them up in front of the room like we're doing right now and interview and pick their brain and make some cool content and hopefully add some value to you guys, right? Our mission for the Tri-City Real Estate Investor Club help our investors build and preserve massive wealth in real estate. That's at the end of the day why we started the Investor Club. We want to provide and give a community for all the investors in the region because we've noticed that um, there's, not, there's not an investor club in the region that's really consistent and that is providing a lot of um, like outside investors, inside investors in the region that are doing it and having success, right? So that's kind of the purpose behind the club. I don't know if there's anything you want to touch on there. Um, I did want to mention that it is Curtis's birthday today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday. Today. I turned 18 years old. <laughs> so we're all legal. 19. 19. 19. legal. Sorry, 19. Yeah, finally, finally legal. So, yeah, I'm 26 years old. It's pretty cool. And yes, um, just want to say thanks, Mike, for, uh, for driving in and sharing your time with us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys for having so me. So thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. Before um, we jump into him, though, we got to stay as housekeeping. Okay. okay. Uh, we have the private uh, Facebook investor group. So a lot of you guys came through through meetups.com, which is awesome. We have a private Facebook group as well. So if you want to be a part of it, um, it's just more engaging. It's a more engaging um, platform. So just shoot me a friend request on Facebook because I need, I need to be friends with you to invite you to the group, which is how it works, but then I'll send you an invite, you can be a part of the group. And then subscribe to your podcast as well. This audio, everything we do is gonna go on our podcast, it's called The Rights of Brothers on all podcast apps. So hit the, hit the subscribe button. And then we have a YouTube channel as well called The Rights of Brothers as well. So make sure that you go on the YouTube channel and sub to us because this is gonna make it to the YouTube channel with all the meetups that we do as well. Cool? That's how you thank us because we don't charge for these events, so that's how you thank us. <laughs> So, Mike, we have 41 units, 11 properties, investing for 10 years, 8.6 mil in total real estate, focused on multifamily, and goal within five years to get 125 units, 25 million in management. So, first off, just like Matt was saying, thanks for coming down. I really do appreciate it. I guess tell us a bit about yourself. Let's get started. Okay, so I started investing 10 years ago. Um, was a licensed plumber, um, was always kind of trying to figure out how I can get out of you know, working until I was 65 years old. Um, a friend's parents uh, were investing in real estate uh, maybe five years prior to me you know, gaining some interest. I started attending a few seminars, learning about real estate. And one thing that always stuck with me, when I was living at home, my parents were always tight with money. And I was always thinking, how could I change that for my kids in my life? And I always thought if they bought one house on the street and had it rented for 25 years, by the time they were you know, 55, 60, They'd have six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars to retire. So I started attending seminars and partnered up with uh, with a couple of friends and bought my first property. And that's pretty much how I got started. That's awesome! Wow. Yeah. So then, how many properties now? Eleven properties. Eleven properties. Which which had varied. I had sold yeah. a few to get into first multifamily right. and things like that. Right, right, right. So how long have you been investing for now? Ten, ten years. And I guess at the end of the day, you got into investing in real estate just to kind of clarify because you saw the way your parents were living. 
and kind of just saying, I don't want that life in a way? Yeah, I mean, you see these people work 65 years old. Not that it's a bad thing, but I wanted to kind of change that. How could I retire early? How can I get out of the 9 to 5? Um, so, yeah, that was, that was the main reason. That's awesome. Yeah. And when did you buy the first property? I bought it. That's a good question. Uh, 2009, I think February, March. That's how old are you? 24. 24 years old. Yeah. Cool. How old are you now? You asking? Turning 34 in September. <coughs> cool. So 10 years. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. What was that first property? It was a triplex. triplex. So that, that first property was somebody I actually handed my money over to. So me and my brother had a bit of money. We handed it over to somebody who was doing it, which was my friend's parents at the time. And they kind of managed the property did everything. I was the silent investor, but mm. I did have access to the bank account and I did have, you know, them to pick, you know, see what they were doing and, and pick their brain a little bit. So that's an interesting way to, to start off. Yeah. Because a lot of a lot of investors that we work with and just that we know, they start off by obviously um, you know, getting into their first home, living there for five or ten years and then, you know, refinancing that to buy a property, but you started yeah. off as as just putting money into a deal and let somebody else run it. I was 24 years old. I didn't know what type of real, what real estate was, really. Do I flip right. a house? Do I hold it? Do I put tenants? How do you manage tenants? So I figured at least I could have my money working hard for me from someone who's done it right. and kind of learn along the way to eventually do it myself, yeah. which, which happened down the road. Was that Barry? That was in Barry, yes. In Barry. Yeah. And how did that go? Do you still own that one? No. That one I sold two years ago. It was okay. It did... Uh, about 15% year over year as the silent partner. So. Yeah. And did you, like you said you have access to bank accounts and whatnot. And that yeah, so I, would, I was able to see all the transactions come in and out. Mortgage, bills, like all that sort of stuff. And maintenance. I'd see a check go out. I'd pick up the phone. Hey, what was that check for? Oh, you know, we had uh, a plumbing issue. We had to call a plumber into the property. This, this is what the check was for. Okay. So you see the little issues that happen and kind of learn how to manage tenants. Even forms, you're filing uh, an L3 or different types of forms and they have filing fees, I'd see a check, whoa, whoa, what was that check for? Oh, for this form, right? right? So I kind of learned how to manage tenants and run a property being the silent investor. Yeah, yeah. so you, like, were you going to the property at all or were you just? No, nope, no, just following, I was totally silent and just kind of following the accounts and picking up the phone to call my partners to see what the issues were and right. why checks were going out or, or coming in or if you know there was a big chunk of money coming in, what was that? Oh, we re-rented the unit, it's first and last month's rent. Mm. Oh, okay, you take first and last month's, right? Just Things like that. that. Yeah, well, I didn't yeah. know. I was 24 years old. I knew I wanted to get into real estate, but I didn't know how it worked or anything, right? Right, so, right. so in that property, uh, did, you, did you visit that property? So like when they presented you the opportunity, I think, I think I No, I think I seen that property for the first time after four years of owning it. Right. And I've never been in it. I just kind of went up the driveway in my car and that's it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, that's, it's, uh, it's just an interesting way of doing it because the majority of people don't take that route. Yeah. Right? They, 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 I think it was really smart what you did because you just partnered with somebody that's credible um, and just said, you know what, that you have experience and you know what you're doing. I'd rather just passively invest and then learn along the way. Right? Yeah. I think that's really smart. So then you bought that property or you silently invested in the property. Um, how, how did you get into the second one? Okay, so my best friend, my best man at my wedding, I was the best man at his wedding, he had done the same thing with the same group of friends. So it was, this, it was a big group of friends, their parents were investing. So the second one, he was doing the same thing, right. following the account. So we said, why not partner together? So the way it worked with me was, I, like he put 100% of the money, and I had put 100% of the money with my brother, and we owned 50% equity of the property. Right, they managed it, did everything, but I was fine with that. Um, for the second one, he was doing the same thing, like I said, put all the money on 50% of the property. So we decided, why not put half the money, half each, and we'll still own 50%. Right. Right, so that's how I got into my second one, with someone who was doing the same thing as me, kind of on the same page as me, same mindset, and we kind of joined together and bought the second one. Right on, right on. Which was a duplex in Barrie. Gotcha, okay, yeah. good, I'm, I'm just gonna ask. Um, Still on that one? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, how, and how did that one go? Like what, it's like good. What I'm actually. Buy it for? Like what's it worth now? Like what have you done to it? I it? paid two hundred and thirty-nine thousand. It's probably worth four eighty-nine right now. Yeah. We only put fifty thousand down. Um, I haven't done anything. It's never had a vacancy yeah. up until two or three months ago, and now I'm doing a renovation on it. And we'll see. I might sell it after the renovation. I might keep it. I haven't decided yet. Yeah. Right on. And. It, then the third, yeah, keep going. So, yeah, so keep going. the point I'm at now getting into multifamily is 
you can imagine the equity bought it for 239 put a down payment on it it's worth you know just under 500 i cannot refinance it right. just i'm tapped out it's tough if i if i do mortgages are you know 10 plus percent so i'm kind of forced to sell it right. but we'll see we'll see i might you know just take the cash flow if i can get the rents and but the ROI will be less on that property. Right, and I guess I guess explain to people why like why can't you refinance it? I'm I'm kind of tapped out with with personal mortgages because I was working um, as a licensed plumber. I did have an income. Switched over two years ago to be a full-time realtor. So now I'm considered self-employed. My income doesn't qualify for the same amount. I have a lot of other mortgages. So the banks are just saying we're not lending to. I could go I could go the private route, but. Once again, you're paying 10, 12, 15 points in some, yeah, some circumstances. Yeah, so you kind of are, like... It's tough. It, it, it makes sense to just get rid of that property and move it into multifamily. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's probably what you're going to end up doing. Most likely. More than likely. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And then you bought that one. You still, still own it, like you said. Yeah. Then what, when did you get to the third one? And how did that go? trying to think what my third one was. Uh, I'm putting you through the ropes right now. Okay, so yeah, so the partner I had invested in, a good buddy of mine, um, we, we came across a property together, a triplex, and very purpose-built triplex. Um, it was his parents. We had finally convinced, we had done well on the two properties. It was actually three, because he owned one, I owned one, we bought one together. And his parents started you know, gaining some interest. What are you guys doing? And, and we talked to them about, you know, your house is almost paid off. You have a lot of equity in your house. So would you guys consider, you know, taking a secure line of credit to buy a property? You don't have to manage it. We'll manage it. Same thing that we were doing with our first one, we started doing with them. And we gave them a bit of a bonus and incentive. We told them every month we would pay their line of credit bill. So they took money from the bank. They didn't have any uh, changes in monthly expenses because we covered that. And at the end of five years, we sold it and gave them a return. Right, so it was a no-brainer for them. Yeah, and so. have they invested in, in future deals? Yeah, they bought another one, another duplex, still in Barrie. Um, and then, yeah, just through word of mouth and our friends, we had a couple other people invest and started gaining some traction. Yeah, so, yeah. so then you went, so, so triplex, was triplex and then a duplex, and then what started to get you going? Because I know we're going to... We're going to hit on some, you know, some bigger deals here. And, uh, I started getting into Hamilton at that point. So I was right. mainly focused in Barrie. All the properties were in Barrie. A uh, few friends had moved into Hamilton. Hamilton was really cheap. So Barrie had gone up now to, um, I don't know, call it 300. The 239 was around 300,000 for a duplex. Right. And I could buy a duplex in Hamilton now for the low 200s. Tri- I bought a triplex for um, $240,000 with a fourth unit in Hamilton right. after that. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was just fantastic. So I started moving into Hamilton, bought a few more, same type of deal. Um, did have friends qualify for mortgages more for me right. because I was tapped out at that point. And then came across bigger deals and realized that I personally don't have to qualify for these bigger deals. Right. It made sense, sold off a few of the smaller ones I owned and bought uh, the 12-unit you just had up there yeah, yeah. in 2014, yeah. I believe. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if the year's on there or not. Is that it right there? Yeah. One? Yeah. Cool. So then, I mean, at the beginning, I guess when you were starting this, you had like no clue what you were doing, but it sounds a bit like you're like learning the passively investing new deal. Like, was this always at the forefront of your mind to say, you know what, I want to get into bigger stuff? No, definitely not. Definitely not. So like I said, when I started out, even prior to starting out, it was, if my parents had about one house when they were, you know, 30 years old, by the time they're 55, it'd be fully paid off and they'd have this, you know, five, six, $700,000 asset. So I started thinking, what happens if I buy two or three? I'm in my 20s. By the time I'm 50, I'm going to have a million and a half paid off. That's fantastic. I'm saying, this is great. Yeah. Right? But then one thing leads to another. You buy one, two, three, you keep going. Right. Right? That's crazy. Well, let's talk about this one real quick then. So you bought this one in 2014, I guess. And what about this property was was of interest to you? Oh, just, just to be honest with you, just the fact that I can get into something bigger and didn't personally have to qualify for a mortgage. I totally overpaid for this thing. It was probably, I paid 100000 more than it was worth, but you kind of had to to purchase. So the banks value uh, multifamily properties a little bit different. It's based on net operating income, um, just as they would for any business at Tim Hortons. If you have one on this side of the street, one on this side of the street, same um, type of building, same land, but one's making 100000 a year, one's making 80000 a year, well, they're going to be valued differently. Right. So 
Yeah, totally overpaid on, on terms of what it was worth. On the NOI. On the NOI. Right. Um, but I didn't have to qualify for a mortgage. And I knew Hamilton was growing. I, I paid, I think, $60,000 a unit for this, 725000 for a 12 unit. What was the suite mix? It is seven one bedrooms, three two bedrooms, two bachelors. Cool. Yeah. So rents were super low in the building. That's why it's valued less. There was a lot of uh, what we call lift. So the rent, current rent to what current market rents are, there was a big gap, meaning I could add a lot of value over time. So I decided to overpay and buy. I didn't really know what I was doing in the multifamily just yet. Right. Yeah. And how did, you, how did you go about structuring it? Like okay, in relation so, to investors and whatnot? Yeah, so this, me and my partner, the guy I bought the second property with, bought this one pretty much outright. We sold a couple properties uh, and bought this on our own. And is that, did you, on this one, have you renovated? I have, so when I first purchased 2014, the area was a rougher area. So it was like, what type of renovations do we do? Do we go higher end? Do we not? What type of tenant? If I were to go the highest end, what type of rents am I getting? Right. So I did, I did re renovate every unit, I, well, 10 out of 12, and I spent about $8,500. So new cheap laminate flooring, some paint, couple new kitchens, uh, things like that, right. where now I've, in the last 12 months, have re-renovated five of those units, higher end, because the area has transitioned. Right. So. Is that $8,500 a unit or $8,500? No, $8,500 a unit. Where now I'm doing like $35,000 a unit. <laughs> yeah. That's what I expected. Yeah. Right. So we're putting in now okay. granite countertops, in-suite laundry, so the ventless washer-dryer combos, AC units, and kind of attracting that downtown Toronto tenant to Hamilton. Right, the people coming in because the LRT now coming into Hamilton is, is huge, right? It's going to be like an hour, hour and 10 minutes to downtown. Right? You jump on the LRT, go to the GO station, downtown, right? And you're paying, you know, 12 to 1400 for a one bedroom instead of 23, 2400. Yeah. Right? So. Yeah, that's interesting to, to think about it that way. Want to jump in at all? Yeah, how, how do you go about determining rents? Okay, so we use PadMapper, um, a few different sites. Um, but we, I also have a big database. I attend a lot of these events with other investors and kind of see what are they doing? You know, did they put this in their unit? How are they achieving 1500 for a one bedroom? Oh, is that what they're getting? And between all the sites you can use for you know, Kijiji, uh, Facebook, uh, PadMapper, and then having that local uh, database of investors, that, that helps huge. Right, so. right. And what, when you bought this one, what was the NOI roughly? It was uh, 34000 I believe. And I, I don't know if I just didn't hear it or if I just over, overlooked it. Um, are all the units rented now? Are you still renting? So there was, ten, there was 10 out of 12 that we rented like, to a low standard. Yeah. So all the laminate flooring we put in now is kind of ruined. It's starting to peel. Where now we're doing higher rent. In the last 12 months, I've done five. Well, be doing five. Tenants are moving out now. So. Right, right. Gotcha. Which is the higher end stuff with the in-suite laundry, AC. Cool. So then you're all in for about 1.1 million, and the capital required to do it was about 700,000. So that'll be, yeah, that'll be kind of total when it's all said and done. What will be into the property? Yeah. Um, and then just on today's market rents, what it would be worth if everyone was renovated, yeah. it would be worth about 2.8 million. Yeah. I mean today, right as it stands, with five of them being the higher end, it's probably around 2 million. Yeah. Um, but we also had what we call a cap compression. So the cap rate in Hamilton when I purchased was seven, where now people are buying at five and under. Um, so yeah. that added some value yeah, as well. For sure it did, for sure it did. So you're about five years anyway. So now in two years, you're gonna sell it? Or what are you gonna do with two years, the seven year project? I don't know, because I don't have investors on it. So we'll see. I'm probably gonna keep it. This is one I may keep another 20 years. Right. Why not? Yeah, totally, totally. That's awesome. I'm able to refi it. That's the good thing. You're, I'm never going to have trouble refining these things. Right. And I guess so. explain to people why. Uh, just because it's based on the net operating income, right? So as my rents go up, the value of the building goes up, the bank's going to lend more to me. It's not going to necessarily matter on, on what I personally make, which is a good thing. Yeah. So this was 50-50 with an investor, right? Yeah. With the buddy years? With the partner I bought my second, third, fourth property with. Awesome. Awesome.
Cool, cool. Do you have any more questions about this one, or can we jump to the next one? I was just thinking about the 100000 over market, or was that over asking price? Like, was it listed on MLS? Yeah, it was listed on MLS. So, no, not, not 100000 over asking, but a hundred. So, when the bank values the building, they're going to look at all your incomes, all your expenses, and say your net operating income is 35000 Right, then they're going to say, okay, based on this location, we, um, we're going to lend to you on a 5% cap type mm. of thing. That's the going rate. Right? But realistically, you're buying this building, say, at $1.7 uh, which is the next property that I just bought, the most recent one. And I'm looking at this going, I can turn this into a $4 million building or a $3 million building. So what am I willing to pay to generate the proper return for my investors? Because it's not a ton of inventory. So at the end of the day, as long as I'm hitting my targets to my investors, I can go up as high as I want. Now, obviously, mm -hmm. you want to keep the price as low right. as you can. Right. But because there's not a lot of inventory, you have a lot of demand, a lot of people going after these things. A lot, like now, getting into some bigger properties, it's, there's no price. Right. Right? Make me an offer. Well, 20-unit building, what do you come in at? How do you know? Yeah. What are you willing to pay? So we look at like end value. Once it's fully renovated and completed, what is it worth, right? And then what am I willing to pay today to generate the proper uh, ROI for my investors bringing in money? Right. Oh, so you're almost literally reverse engineering it, thinking yes. what's it going to be like at the end, yeah. and then sort of calculating what you're going to need for to do the renovations yeah. to get it to that point, and then coming back exactly. To the and then from a financing standpoint, just to make numbers easy again, you buy for two million dollars. The bank may say it's only worth 1.7 on paper, mm. so they're only going to lend 70% of 1.7 million. Mm. So you've got to come up with the additional 300,000. But in most cases, if you're not, you're never going to buy. Right. Right. Because right. somebody else is, because there's enough profits on the table. Right. right. You get into the Toronto market where it's you know two two percent cap or less negative cash flows because you got big money coming in there in a stable market, international money, and just you know looking to secure and hold their money, right? They're not looking for 20, 30, 40 points on their money. Right. So. How did you find this one? This particular one? This one was listed. It was through, through an agent. Gotcha. Mr. Mark Loeffler. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that okay. guy. Yeah. 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 Cool. And, so. and like, how do you source the majority of your deals? Like, is it through, I guess it depends uh, on what No, market now, now it's, I would say, 75% private. Right. Right. So it's just getting out there, door knocking, uh, word of mouth, meeting other brokers yeah. who deal with multifamily, like been dealing with it for 20, 30 years, have clients. Yeah. You know, my client actually I talked to him, you know, a month ago, he was thinking of selling maybe next year, two years. Right. Right. So sometimes I'm not the agent on the deal. Yeah. Right. I don't really care to be as long as I'm getting the right deal, you know, for me and my investors. I don't I don't need to be the agent on the deal. Yeah. Yeah. You can let somebody else get the commission and you're yeah. going in as a buyer, right? Yeah. yeah. And I guess, what's the most creative way that you found a property? You said you were door knocking. Okay, so I've took, on, uh, I've took on a role right now with a, with a REIT for a head of acquisitions. So they actually have someone kind of ground and pounding the door knocking um, for a majority of Hamilton and surrounding areas. And once they kind of spark a little bit of interest, hey, I've thought about it, what's my building worth? I'll take over, right. right? And then if they're looking to buy or looking to pass or looking to wholesale that property, right. it'll, it'll come my way, right? And sometimes just you know going out to events, you talk to people. Someone may be in this room saying, "Hey, my uncle actually has a 40-unit building. He was thinking of selling." Right. Oh, really? Well, you know, it just stems from there. Right. So, what? Just out of straight curiosity, what does that even look like for when they're going out and door knocking? Are they just? going to an apartment building and knocking all the tenants' units and asking for the, the landlord? Okay, yeah, so, so there's, a, there's that. You, you can meet tenants and kind of just ask for the landlord's information. There's also um, going to the city, finding tax bills, who owns it, addresses. There's a few different strategies. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just kind of being creative and, saying, and sitting down thinking, how could I get a hold of a business owner or a building owner? Like, who are they? Where? And, and it right. just goes back to what you were saying. Like, do you do this? Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. Yeah. Can you find a tax bill? Can you go to the city? Yeah. Right? And things like that. Is there a neighbor maybe who knows that owner, right? Yeah. So. Well, I know, I know I've had in the past where I could look up, say, like a six or like a ten unit building. And a lot of the smaller stuff is owned in somebody's name. Yeah. Because they bought it in the 70s or something. They're from Europe. Yeah. Which is a lot of the situations. They come from Europe. They buy a building. They live in a unit. They rent out the other ones. And then you can figure out 
um, just by searching your name on Geo Warehouse that they own, say, five properties, mm -hmm. and then they own one single family home, well, you can probably guess that that's where they live. That's the residence. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, but maybe not, though, because sometimes they live in one of the units in the apartment that they own, mm -hmm. right? But that's a pretty cool way to find people as well. And then you just go door knock. Yeah. Or, yeah. If you can, I personally haven't. Yeah. No. Just because I've been in the roles where I, I never really had to. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if it came down to it and needed, I, I for sure would. Totally. Yeah. Cool. So, what about this property was of interest? And I guess how long, because I know you had the year on, um, Okay, so, so these, yeah, this is this is a more re recent project. We purchased in, I think we closed in November, November of this year. Yeah. Um, these properties sat on the market for like 420 days. They were totally overlooked, and we overlooked them for like four months, and we started doing a little bit more due diligence, <laughs> and we're like, what the hell's going on here? Like, these are a good deal. And I found out after, once we were in negotiations, that the deal had fell through multiple times due to... Uh, financing. So what happens is typically you'll call a property or you guys as agents, oh, it's sold conditional. Well, how often do you follow up in, in three, four days and say, well, here, in this case, conditional period is probably 30 or 45 days. So how often do people, you know, call 45 days later and say, hey, did it fall through? Yeah. Right? And the agent probably has somebody else lined up. And the fact that these were listed separately on MLS, I think for the bigger kind of player in the game, they were uh, too small as just seven units because they're two sevens. And together, I think it was too hard for the smaller guy to actually get financing and if they don't know what they're talking right. about because obviously you require a lot. Like the banks value this, I think, at 1.5. So you're coming up with an additional 200,000. So I kind of seen the struggle. I went through it myself. So it was just right. kind of being creative and figuring out how we can get the deal done, which we had to put a big second mortgage on it, but it made sense by the end of the day. Right. So I guess let's talk about that. Like, how did you go about financing it? So we just did a typical B lending uh, finance rate. So they gave us, I think, 60 or 55% loan to value. Um, and then we got a private second mortgage on it. So you, was it... Um the 55 or 60 percent loan to value of the 1.5 value that they put on it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So then I guess we look at the numbers here, but how much roughly? So the average rent in this building, I think, was $785 per month. Right. And we had projections for this is 12 one bedrooms, two two bedrooms. Okay. And we had projections at $1,175. So at $1,175 renovated one bedrooms, we had enough, I think, to give our investors about a 13 percent-ish ROI on this property. And uh, we finished our first one and we got $1,400 a month for our one bedroom. So it bumped up, uh, bumped up the ROI, which wow. was great. That's awesome. So now we're, we're starting our second and third in the next couple of months, tenants are moving out. Um, but yeah, that, that's the thing when you're in, back to your question, when you're in multifamily, it's tough. Like I look at tenants and if I see like, not to discriminate, but a, like a 50 or 60 year old male or female in a one bedroom apartment, what's the likelihood of them moving somewhere else within a 10 year period? Not gonna happen. You see younger people, okay, they're probably either gonna get married or upgrade. And, and I kind of just gauge it from a personal kind of preference <coughs> and experience and say, okay, you know, I, I think we can get 75, 80% of this building out within a five to 10 year period. So, so then you look at all the tenant profile and each unit and- I try to, and yeah, start for sure. gauging it in a way and saying, okay, well, this guy's 70 years old, he's been here for 10 years, yeah. and he's, yeah, he's a single guy. If, if you, yeah, if you buy a 12 unit building and you can only turn over two, two units, well, the value of the building's not mm -hmm. gonna go up much. Right. Right, so you kind of have to get creative of how you can convince people to leave, or maybe you go out and find them a better place for a better price. Right. Right? Or you can pay $100 more and look, this one's renovated. Oh, I never thought about that. That's right. great. Right? So try to be creative. And how do you, I guess, structure it in regards to passive investors in this deal? Like, how do you go about that? I do have some return passive investors in this deal. Um, we kind of just present our spreadsheet with the ROI kind of this is what it is today. This is what it's going to look like renovated. This is how much we're spending on renovations. Kind of have our own property analyzer with projected. Um, return on investments, and then it's it's them to decide, right? Right. So then you like you're in it with your buddy, right? 
Yeah. <coughs> well, actually, I have uh, I have two partners on this. And that's and a general a, partnership. Yes, side, right? general partnership. Okay. Side. So then, are you cool like talking like splits and whatnot? Is that cool? It's totally even. So yeah. we have fifty percent equity. Yeah. And then the money side has fifty uh, percent equity. Gotcha. Cool. And did um did like in regards to the money side of of obviously the two hundred thousand dollars over the value, and then obviously the money putting in and down payment. Um, like how did you guys structure that with like, with the passive investors? It's all it's all uh, it's all there laid out. So. We just let them know this is the amount of money we had to raise. This is what we're doing. So we're getting traditional financing. This is what the lender is giving us. This is the second mortgage we're putting on the property. This is the amount of money in. So we, I think this one was a $875,000 raise to purchase. Um, so then they got their shares depending on how much of the $875,000 they've come in with. Right. Now what's, what's your strategy now? I know you said you bring the spreadsheet to the investor and you say, hey, here's the numbers. This is what we're going to cost. Like, this is what we're going to pay for renovations. At what point are you getting quotes for renovations? Are you viewing the property and then getting an accepted offer? That's, that's just doing... based on experience. We know typically oh. based on square footage. So we'll mm. go in there when we're looking at purchasing, do a few little measurements here and there, know the type. Like, I use all the same paint, all the same flooring, all the same bathtubs, uh, backsplash, all that stuff in all my units, right? right. Same fridge, stove. Uh, we put the microwaves in with the fan. With so literally range. just by square footage, you can get a rough idea. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Give or take a few thousand bucks. Right? And then you have common area. Does, does it need a roof? Uh, does it need this? And, and you kind of do your raise based on all those numbers, right? right. And, then, and then another thing too. So say uh, $30,000 a unit, you have a 10-unit building, so 300000 you're not going to get those 10 units done within two years, or at least I don't think you, you will. So we'll, do, we'll raise for, say, six, and then upon a refi after year two or year three, depending, We'll refinance money and that will fund the next to keep the raise down a little bit and generate a higher ROI for our investors. So you're refinancing it without the project being 100% yes. done. Well, with, with, with the amount of lift on, lift right. on some of these, like you kind of have to or you're keeping you know, millions of dollars in a deal. Right. right. So to save, to save the amount of money that then you have to go um, and ask from investors in a way, because, because that's smart because you know you're not going to have the work done within yeah. like two months, like it's gonna be a process, right? And the, yeah, here's, here's the other thing too is, what happens if you get to your seventh and you've ran out of money now? What do you do? Well, you've generated so much money in a short period of time, I'd have no problem paying a large percentage, right? So a private guy, here's what we've done. Someone's gonna come in, look at the project, see the rents. So to pay you know, a short-term loan, because I know I'm refinancing in six months now, I would, I would probably pay 100% if I need, needed to. Right, because I'm just going to refinance that money. I, 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 I would. I'd pay 200. Like as long as it made sense, right? If I don't have the money and now I'm going to rent it out or sit vacant, right? I'm not saying I'm going to pay 100% on the money, but I'm saying you know it, there, there's a you know, you know what you you're willing to pay. Right. So what if you're not handy or you don't have experience with renovating units? Um, how would you go about that then with the with figuring out your renovation costs? Like at what point in time are you bringing people yeah, in? Yeah, so there's still things in the building that we don't do often, roofs and stuff like that. We typically try and get three quotes, right? Mm -hmm. From contractors, whether it's through um, rooms like this, people giving referrals, other investors have done it. Um, but typically we try and get three quotes on, on most of the stuff outside of our typical renovations because we have our contractor uh, that we use. So. Right, and for the, um, for for the passive investor side of it, when you were going to raise money, who did you reach out to? Did you already have a list of people that you said, hey, I'm gonna reach out to these 10 individuals? You already had conversations with them about investing in multifamily, or how did you go about that? Yeah, so the investors I have on this particular project are people that I've been in contact with probably three to five years. Right. Same, with, same with my partner. It's just creating a database of people who are interested, right? Someone in the room says they're interested today, hey, I'm looking to partner with you. Um, we touch base, you know, this is our next project, send out kind of the package of what right. we're looking at buying, all the numbers on it, you know, and typically I was, I was telling you earlier that I was sitting with, uh, with a mentor last week and he was saying typically the first real conversation you have with someone about uh, investing, expect to have a dollar in your hand no sooner than two years, right? right? So it is a bit of a longer process, right? No one's just mm. getting, well, if, sometimes it happens, but that's a bonus, right? You're not going to meet someone today and say, oh, here's a hundred guys. Which, which does happen, but right. don't expect that. And I know this is, this is more nitty-gritty, but in relation to, okay, so let's say 
Like, let's say you're somebody in the room is interested, right? And then you know they come yep. up and start a conversation with you, and then you guys start talking. Like, do you do you just use like a simple Excel spreadsheet? You just put names, so, email, phone numbers, <clears throat> details. Like, I know it's nitty gritty, but curious. yeah, it gets put in like a CRM. Yeah. So, and then we have our own follow-ups and stuff like that. Right. And send out newsletters of what's going on. Sometimes it's if we sent out a past project, like for example, the seven units that we closed in November. Right. People were thinking about investing. Kind of said, ah, I'm not ready yet. We've sent out updates. Right. Right. Saying here's mm -hmm. what our property has done, and then now the new one coming up, that'll be sent out saying here's our next project. What yeah. do you guys think? Are you looking to partner? That, so. and I'd imagine you have somewhat of a gauge too. I mean, how many? I don't know if you know the number, but in your database of investors, like how many investors do you have in there? Between my partners, there's probably about 150 people who are interested that we right. send out. Like if we do a live webinar, it gets sent out to the same people. Right. And do you kind of gauge that? Like each person, like 50 grand here, 100 grand here? Like do you know if like roughly I mean, depends. Yeah, so you'll have like, you'll have a warm lead, someone who you think is interested, you're going to spend more time on them. Someone who is just looking to learn. Um, which is fine too, that's great. We're always willing to teach. Is it on top of our priority list? Probably not. Um, but yeah, we, we just keep a list of warm lead, cold lead um, type of thing. And then, yeah, we'll have a, little, a few little notes in there, thinking right. about investing X amount of dollars or so on. Right. right. And do you then, this is getting more nitty gritty, but then do you categorize and say, like this person is, um, say, an A, an a, like an A investor, B investor, C investor, that then like, you take them out for coffee once a month? To be honest, if I, if I got to that point where there was enough people in the database, yeah. I'm sure I would, but yeah. you know, we're still you know, limited amount of people who are actually investing. Right. And that's, that's one of the struggles getting into multifamily as well as actually bringing money to buy these, buy these things, right? Because it, it costs quite a bit of money, right? And right. on the next project, I'll, I'll get into that. But. Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. I mean, because I just like the, because I know as a realtor that we have our process for keeping in touch with clients, keeping in touch with, you know, past leads, right? Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty much the same concept when you're an investor Yeah, pretty much well. the same concept. Like, yeah. you're just keeping in touch with folks over time, and then, you know, then you do a webinar, you see how much you can raise, or you do a, you know, a, a conference call sort of thing, yeah. and then you just figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, right now with the, with the investors that you have in the database, like, how much do you think comfortably you could raise... For a purchase, one and a half million. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. And how, like, how long? Let's see, you brought of a process. So what we've done recently is um, we've met a few people who are really good in the social media uh, platform. So they've been reaching out to people, and we've been working with them and doing tours of the building, and kind of had some help. Um, which is great. Like, for example, you have a, a network of people who are thinking about investing in multifamily. I don't have enough money to get into multifamily. I don't know anything about it. Well, they can learn through investing uh, and partnering with us through you. Right. Um, and yeah, we've just had some help and some traction coming out to these events. I mean, yeah. it's just gaining traction. So yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, been, it's been good. That's amazing. So for someone who maybe is invested in single family or isn't invested in real estate at all, what would your advice be for them looking to get into something like into that? Into multifamily? Yeah. Oh, there's a, there's a lot. I mean, I've seen people go from zero properties right into multifamily, and it does depend on your personality. Are you willing to put in the work? I mean, learning how to manage tenants properly, learning how to be creative, structure deals. There's a lot that goes into it. So would I encourage a new investor or a beginner investor to jump right into multifamily? Probably not, but that's not saying I wouldn't encourage someone to. Um, and that all depends on you know, where they're at in their career and how much time they're willing to put in. I know when I started, for example, I had advice, um, don't move into Hamilton. If you're in Barrie, you're working full time, do not move into Hamilton. It's a different tenant profile. You're going to run your business to the ground. Like you're in Hamilton, you're in Barrie now, you're working full time. Like it's a different breed of tenant. And I went against a lot of that advice and said, you know what, I'm going to do what it takes. If I got to call in sick because I have to go to Hamilton and deal with an issue, that's what I'm going to do. I kind of made the investing side my priority. Right. And I had, um, so back to your original question, I would say build a database of people doing it. So if something happens, uh, you know, tenant doesn't pay, it's literally five minute phone call away, right? You pick up the phone, oh. what do I do? Um, if for some reason you have a pipe burst in your unit at two o'clock in the morning, what do you do? How do you shut the water off? Do you let it run till the morning time? Right. right? So just having someone, 
you know, that you know you can rely on and even pick their brain prior to investing to mm. build that confidence. Yeah. Right? So because have, basically having mentors. Definitely. Definitely having mentors and a, and a support system. On top of mentors, you need like support system people doing it, right? right? So. Yeah, because I know, I mean, I know that you mentioned a bunch of your buddies own, own like a lot more, yeah. like yeah. bigger, bigger, massive portfolios. Yeah. Like what's one of your buddies that of like, like how big of a portfolio is They're over 400 units. Yeah, so you have so. them in your network. Those are yeah. really cool people to talk to and, and, and run stuff by for counsel, right? For sure, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then a lot of the other kind of, um, Meetup groups we go to. There's other investors, 100 units, 50 units, 70 units, and you, that's that's where I personally like like to go and learn from, is because someone's always doing something different or new. And sometimes you're like, I would never do that. This guy's crazy. Sometimes you're like, Hey, I never thought about that, right? Right. So you're always picking up a trick here and there. Because I know um, before we jump into the next one here, I know you're you're looking to go from the 8.6 that you're at million to the 25 million. What? What do you think is going to be one of the biggest reasons that, or biggest ways that is going to help you get to that goal? Scaling. Yeah. Scaling business, uh, bringing on employees. So right now, for example, property management, yeah. we're thinking the next property we need to hire property management, like an in-house property management. I can't find a good company. I've gone through multiple companies. It's difficult. Um, there's a lot of work for the bit of money that you actually pay them so I so I understand why it's not done to the my standard it's not there for them no it's just for example my 12 unit building the one I've done five five units recently on that building has had multiple plumbing issues uh, <coughs> multiple tenants leaving dealing with move outs so uh, also forms and for late payments so for a property manager <coughs> they'd be spending 10 15 hours a week I think my rent rolls around twelve thousand bucks on that, so they're making twelve hundred dollars to spend that that much time, right? So if they had three of my buildings, they'd be kind of swamped with with time. So right. they're only going to make you know three to four thousand dollars running a forty-hour kind of work week business. Right. So I, I understand it from that point. Um, so I, I think the next step we're going to need to hire an in-house and kind of grow from there. But yeah, definitely scaling the business right. is is what's going to help us grow. A bit of a two-prong question. Um, in relation to you dealing with property managers and or, because you're still dealing with some right now, right, for properties, you still. I, I, I took it over myself, took it over yourself. but knowing that I'm going to be bringing on an in-house. So I've had it myself um, so for, for the multifamily side of things. Do you think that's one of the biggest reasons that the property management side, like hiring a third-party property management, do you think that's like what you just said before about the margins aren't there, they're spending, there's just not enough money for them. I mean, their, the their main goal, for example, is obviously to bring the owner uh, the most value. Right. So prior to me taking over this building, I took it over the 12 unit in September. Um, units were turning over, and I would see a new rent roll at $75 more a month. And I'm going, okay, well, I didn't know that unit was vacant yet. I guess someone had moved out, and they're moving in. I'm going, I could have renovated and got $600 more a month. So I just lost a few hundred grand, right? Right, things, things like that. And I would tell them, listen, if, if maintenance is over X amount for the month, let me know. We need to budget kind of thing. We want to stick to a certain amount of maintenance per month. If it's over that, just give me a heads up. A lot of times I wouldn't get the heads up. It would, you'd see X amount of money coming in. It's like, he's like, oh yeah, but it had to be done. Like we had no choice. Well, let me know that, right? A lot of issues like that had come up and... Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I've taken over now since September. We've got in there renovated five units. I've probably added, I would say, five hundred to $600,000 worth of value since I've taken over in September, which I don't think a property manager would have done. Right. So I guess what would be advice then for, for investors within, say, the, you know, the five to 10, 15 units sort of range, hire property managers? Okay, so I, I think you, like everybody should manage tenants on their own to know what they understand and like, and for uh, what you were talking about before, maintenance issues, costs, right? Because, for example, if you have a clogged toilet and your property manager sends you a bill of $599, is that right, is that not? What was emergency call? Well, you could have called someone else, couldn't you have? Right, so I mean managing and kind of knowing, you know, typical maintenance costs on right. things uh, is, is a good idea prior to bringing in a property manager, at first, when you're starting out, right? right? And then you'll kind of, you know, know what the typical costs are for things, know how the property should be run. So when somebody comes in, um, you're kind of able to manage your property manager. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I 100% um, can 
can agree with that side of things, and, and I see that a lot of the times, even for us, where you know they you know they were gonna bail for four hundred bucks, and you're just like, like what is yeah. this? Like this could have been a hundred. Yeah. Like come on now. Yeah. Like there's a bunch of other calls or whatever. They're just racking on some extra fees, and it's just. I mean, if it is what it is, I understand they have to make money, and I for get, sure. I get project, sure. but like you want to make it. You you want them to make money mm -hmm. because then they're gonna put time and effort into your property, right? Yeah. Um, so. How did you how did you transition then from property management that then you taking over? You just walk into the property management office and just say, All right, we're done? Or well, no, I've had a couple of, um, you're talking about firing property management and yeah, taking over? Yeah, so I've had multiple conversations, one being um, the maintenance. If maintenance is over X amount, you have to let me know. Um, things uh, about tenants, if there's an issue with the tenant, let me know. Like if I'm in town, because I'm in town from time to time, like I can serve them with a form. Like things were getting out of hand. My maintenance since I've taken over was uh, about on average a couple thousand dollars a month less a month on that 12 unit so multiple conversations things still weren't getting done so I pretty much just said listen this isn't working out for us um, I'm gonna be taking over from here and that's I, I did have a bit more time because I had left my job right so I said listen I have time to manage this now so are you full-time now like, yeah like just with the properties yeah an agency yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Two, two years now yeah gotcha yeah. cool so then how are you going to scale and then bring it all in-house? Like what would be the first step for you to then, in-house, okay, so what in-house means? I would, I would create a property management company, a formal property management company, right. and bring in an employee. Right. Like a first employee for property management and train that property manager, right? right? So he would know what I like. It would be his full-time gig just on my portfolio, doesn't deal with anybody else, and everything's handled kind of to my standards, right? That's awesome. That's mm. awesome. When do you think you will have that? I guess the first employee. Training. Probably as soon as we close this. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. So let's talk about so this one. Unless you have any other questions. Yeah, let's do it. So this yeah. is an off-market 19 unit downtown Hamilton that we're working on. Um, it is way under-rented and under-managed. The owner has owned it since 1988. Um, we've thrown an offer in, uh, a lot lower than that, but he's not budging off. Uh, a higher price. I think he wants 2.75, which is ridiculous. Like it is very high at 2.75. That's where the price we're willing to meet at. Um, but it doesn't make sense at 2.7. 2.75 kills our investor ROI, kills our ROI. Um, so now we've started to get creative. How can we finance this deal? Because he's owned it since 1988, um, he obviously has no mortgage on the property and. We've trying to, um, I've been trying to dig and see what his motives are. Why are you willing to sell? Like, why now? Right. And apparently his wife just had surgery, his wife used to help out. So I really got to the details of the owner and what he's looking for. And now we're trying to structure uh, like a 90% first mortgage from the owner, right? So we'll save on lender fees. He'll still be getting a great monthly cash flow. Mm. Um, and then obviously we're only going to be, uh, well, less than probably what it shows up there. Oh, no, that's actually with, with the first that we want. Right. Um, so this was like kind of put out to investors and, and partners. Um, but yeah, if we didn't, we'd be about a $1.3 million down payment is what it would cost to purchase this thing from traditional financing, um, just based on the NOI today. So yeah, a lot of it's creativity. Yeah. Right. And this was so, private, right? Yeah, this private is not on the market. So how did you stumble across that relationship? Uh, just building relationships with other brokers. So this is one that um, I'm not on, but I don't think the other broker's on. He's been talking with this guy for a year and a half. He didn't want to sell, wanted to sell, thinking about selling now. And he got to the point, well, bring me an offer. So now we're in the negotiation stages and trying to work things out. But really understanding his motivation to sell is probably what's going to get this deal done. So you sourced it from a broker relationship, from a realtor relationship yeah. in that area, and then they brought it up to you and said, hey, they're looking yeah. to sell, it's not on MLS, let's start talking. Yeah, he doesn't want anyone uh, to go through the building. He wants to do it private, which I'm finding a lot of the building owners, bigger building owners, they just want like a couple of serious buyers to walk through it and submit an offer. Yeah, yeah. get it done, right? Yeah. They want to yeah. start for tenants. Yeah, that's awesome. So this one, you're, you have an offering right now? Yeah. <laughs> Chances of it getting accepted? Um, we're still working in negotiations. Yep. So, um, in the multifamily too, like it's way longer process. Mm -hmm. It's not like uh, anyone cares, to be honest, about irrevocable dates. 
I don't even know why they put them in, right? If you just sign an offer, you have a week irrevocable date, the guy will get back to you in three weeks and yeah. says, ah, let's change the price. And he puts an irrevocable date and you do all your numbers, get back to him two weeks later. It's a really slow process. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, chances of it, like the offer we submitted definitely is a starting point. Um, he's come back saying verbally the price he wants doesn't make sense. So now if he takes uh, on this first mortgage and his kids agree to it, I, I think we'll get it done. Yeah. We're going to get it done. That's awesome. So, Is there anything you want to touch on about the numbers at all or anything about this property in general? Or Yeah, so the current average rents on this property are $724 a month. This is in a premium uh, area. So I have a friend who has a 48-unit building not too far from here who's getting $15.50 for his one bedroom. Now, layouts in this aren't as good. They're not as open, but we're projecting $1,400 today. So there's a lift of about $700 mm -hmm. per unit, right. which uh, brings you to about a $5 million price point once it's all said and done. So it's listed right, or well, he wants the 2.75, give or take a bit. Yeah. What do you think it would actually be appraised at? I'd, I'd have to look at my analyzer. Probably 1.7. 1 1.7. 1 yeah. Something like that. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, okay, so this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, is overpaying for a building. It's probably on paper what a bank's going to look at this, call it between 1.7 and 2 million. But see the end valuation when it's done and your ROI. So would you overpay 700 grand for it or 900 grand for it? I mean, somebody's going to, right? right? So. Yeah, and I think the, the arguably the risky part about doing that is, you know, you keep the tenants forever. Well, yeah, so I, mean, I mean, it is and it isn't because right. if you're keeping this thing for 20, 25 years, yeah. they're all going to turn over. Your rents aren't going to be 1,400 in 25 years. They're going to be 18, 19, 2,000, probably higher than where Mississauga is now. Right. And you're going to make a great return, right? Right. So, I mean, the only risk is when you have a time limit, when you're set to say, I'm selling this thing in five years regardless. Right. If it doesn't turn out, mm. keep it for six, seven, eight to get more turnover. Right, and, and, and like all the real estate I'm buying now, I'm planning to keep it for you know long periods of time. Whether I buy it off, you know, partners who are in on the projects and things like that, right. so, yeah. which I have done. Yeah, that's awesome. What's, so, what's the average close time on like a bigger building like this? Is it like three to six months, depending on the size of the deal? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've seen longer. I've seen people act for eight months. So how, how do you set that up with the investors in regards to the exit strategy? I know you're saying some, sometimes you buy investors out or... Yeah, so we like typically, we're finding now a lot of investors want two things. They want a monthly cash flow, which when you're doing these is, is, tough, to, is tough to do because you're buying these buildings with so much value. So you can't pay them out monthly. So we're working on kind of figuring out a strategy to pay them monthly. And then time is always um, an issue. People don't want to be in for seven, eight, nine years. Um, so we, we typically are structuring five years, uh, five to six year project, um, but that's obviously depending, right? Where we're at, five years, where we're at is where we're at. If we've done 14 out of the 19 and they want to stay in, it's a, it's a discussion point, right? right? So it's just understood that, hey, at five years, we're just going to have a conversation again. No, no, we'll, 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 have to, we'll have to, like it'll be a five year type term. But yeah, it's obviously you're going to have that conversation. If they want in and we want in, why are we going to sell it? Because the contract right. says five years. I mean, if they want out now, is there a way to you know get a value on the building and buy them out? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's always it's always a discussion point. And then what what are they going to do with the money? Are they going to take it personally? Or are they going to reinvest it? Well, why are you looking to reinvest it? What are you going to reinvest it in? Why not keep it in this great project, right? Mm -hmm. So it it all depends. But typically, we try and stay you know five to six seven years mm -hmm. uh, per project. Just limits limits the risk, right? Yeah, to try and right. turn everything over in twenty four months. Yeah, agreed. Right. So agreed. Well, it's eleven o'clock, so roughly. Well, it's eleven o'clock, so roughly eleven o'clock. Uh, we can open up for some questions. People have anything they want to ask? <coughs> ask, ask us. Please. Uh, yes. Uh, the property that you have, do you hold them under a company, and which kind of entity are you using? Yeah, it's under a corporation. So. Right now, for if you want to go back to one of the first slides, that's uh, just the building is owned in a corporation. And with me and my partner, we have holding corporations that own 15% of the corporation that holds the property. 
So I have a holding corporation, he has a holding corporation, and they own another corporation, 50-50, and that corporation is what owns the property. But each property, because I see some investor, they would have each property sign off as a corporation on the, on the own. Like, are you doing that? Or yeah, so go to the next one. This property here, we have a corporation, which has uh, five partners in it. Um, so the corporation owns the property without equity. And then my holding corporations on it, partners holding corporations on it, partners' names are on it. So that's how it's structured. It's a separate corporation that owns it. Yeah. So each time you buy a project, it's a new. Yeah, there's new different new partners setup. on it. Under, yeah. under the one holding company. Yeah. I'm assuming that's provided it's new investors. Um, no, no. Even if it's the same investors, we'll probably open just from a liability standpoint. Probably open a, a different corporation. For so you open a Yeah, and then investors as well. So then explain real quick the liability aspect of it. Why not just the one corporation go by two? Okay, so for example, if you just make it simple, you own two personal properties, you get sued for whatever reason, someone slips and falls, you don't have insurance or whatever, which covers whatever, something happens, mm -hmm. they can now come after your other property. Right. Whereas when it's in a corporation, it's just in that mm -hmm. corporation. But I would speak to a lawyer, they'll be able to tell you more. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> Obviously, disclaimer. Lawyer, for yeah. sure. <laughs> yep. Your investor money is it all cash or the registered funds as well? Uh, we're trying to get into the registered funds now, um, but yeah, it's typically cash right now or lines of credits, things like that. Anybody else? <clears throat> What's been one of your greatest uh, successes? And also failures would be my next question, just on your investing journey <coughs> up until now. Uh, biggest successes is that 12-unit building I thought I overpaid for. I paid uh, $60,000 a unit, and with the cap coming down, when I bought that building, I was going, what am I doing? I'm getting it over my head. But I didn't do anything for four years. I had a property <coughs> manager run the whole thing, didn't know much, was just asking questions, going back. Uh, it was just the last uh, year prior to me taking it over where I was asking more about it. Um, yeah, that building has doubled with minimal, minimal work done to it. And then now adding the value is probably going to be tripled. So I mean that there, just buying kind of in the right time, uh, in the right location, is probably the best property and thing I've ever done. And it gained, um, you know, me getting access into the multifamily world in the great city, right? So. And that biggest failure, I think, honestly, is I've, I sold a few properties before I should have. Mm. I've sold. I've had a lot of things happen. I've had a, a tenant throw a duplex in uh, in Barry, a tenant throw a cigarette into dry leaves, burn half the house down. Um, a day before closing on a property, no, that, this is another story. A day before closing, my partner goes up there to grab the lawnmower out of the shed and a couple of rakes we had up there and he notices some noise coming from the house. Well, on the top floor, a shower control blew out and water was running for like 24 hours straight, right? Because the tenant had moved out a couple days prior, so the house was vacant for a couple days. And he goes down into the basement and like a foot underneath the wash washing machine, like there was literally this much water on the floor in the basement, right? And now, no, but... But now, clo so closing was supposed to be the next day, right? So we had to de delay closing, had to get insurance involved, and this, this killed us. So the guy still wanted the property. Insurance had their quotes to come in and renovate it. Well, now you have this renovated property. The market now had gone up twenty or $30,000. So I'm like, literally, I'm losing like eighty dollars to $100,000 right now because he's getting a freshly renovated property, and the market has, has gone up. So I'm like, oh my but yeah, that's probably the worst. And that's the same house that had the fire years earlier. Oh, <laughs> same one. Same one. You still own it? Mm -hmm. No. You covered it that one? No, that's, that was oh, the day right, before right. I had to. Right, right, we right. wanted to keep it. I was, I, we asked the lawyer if right. we can just give him $20,000 for him to walk away. He wouldn't do it. We'll just give him 20000 just walk away. We'll keep Gosh. it. But he wouldn't do it. Wow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, eh?
That's, that's a tough question. I mean, it's, it's all preference, right? If you've hit your target returns and you're happy with it, you may sell a different time than me. But now, personally, getting into the multifamily, I want to keep everything long-term. I just want to build a big portfolio, just keep it all selling 30 years from now. I don't know if I do. Right. It's just tough finding, you know, partners that are in for 30 years, right? That's, that's a difficult. But, yeah, I know some of the bigger REITs, they've gotten into structuring share prices and things like that, which... I may consider down the road. So as investors come in, you'll get bought out. So say you're buying in at like a 3% share price in a big REIT or fund. Um, so the 10 years, it's worth, you know, not $3, but $30. So the new investor coming in is buying now at $30, paying you out and, and so on. And that's, I don't know, that's down the road for me. Maybe when I'm at four or 500 units, but they, so, this way you're not forced to sell, right? right. I mean, this, um can get like in the clouds here, but like, do you have a, like, what kind of gets you up in the morning to go and do this? Like, is like, do you have like, I, I know the term big why gets tossed out, vision. You know what, like, I, I've gotten to a point, so obviously it was my plumbing career I'm up and, and yeah, the why and your dreams. I've gotten to a point now where it's, it's kind of exciting again. Like there was a point where it was, Oh, after work, going up to a property and, you know, two, three nights a week, driving to Barrie, driving to Hamilton. Like, is this worth it? I don't think this is worth it. Like, I just feel like selling everything. But you just keep trekking along, and now I'm back to the point where it's kind of exciting. I'm getting into these, negotiating with the 19 unit. Now I'm, you know, talking with the owner, saying, hey, why don't you give me a mortgage? We'll pay. You're going to pay taxes on this. If you keep it in there, right. you know, you can pay taxes down the road. You'll be better off right so then he starts thinking oh yeah so i don't know it's more relationship based now right. and it's just become exciting again so it's just right. like new partnerships right. new deals uh new challenge i guess what i think too like now i mean not to say that at the beginning i mean like all of them are big deals but just like starting to expand and take on biggest per i mean big i mean the bigger purchase prices and just you know like new investor relationships i could totally imagine just yeah just how exciting that is yeah and also too like getting out of getting out of the plumbing, the plumbing gig, and now this is what you're doing full time. That, that's actually right now one of the biggest downfalls is I'll have some plumbing. Like, for example, last week I was, I was at my building two days. There's a leak. And because I've had a lot of experience in the plumbing side of things, it's behind, behind walls. It's leaking three stories down, or you don't know what it is. So if I sent a, like a company in there to rip walls down, do this, do that, it's like, what am I paying? It's like, okay, today I have a half a day. Should I reschedule my meetings for tomorrow because I can and go in there? And I shouldn't be, but I do. I go in there. No, but you know what it is? Because I've taken over the property management side. And dealing with contractors is just as tough as property management. We're going to have it done Thursday. The tenant says, you know, it's been a week now. Why isn't it done? And then I talk to the, ten or to the contractor. He says, I'm coming Friday. And I send her a message saying, look, this is what he said. He's coming Friday. So even, this is yesterday, so last night she sends me a picture, still a big hole in her wall, right? She's like, now this is going on two weeks, like what's going on here? But yeah, a lot of that property management, dealing with some plumbing stuff, like I don't want to be doing that. That's why I need to hire, I'm caught doing a lot of, you know, day-to-day -day stuff that I probably shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Right, just taking up some time. So, yeah, do you feel like when, because you used to be a contractor, that Sometimes you're because you're more so in an office now and dealing with people. Yeah, that, you know, that, the that's exactly. The breakup of your day when you actually get to go in and rip some stuff up is actually just a little more enjoyable. It breaks up your You know, it, it, it does when I actually am not working on my own properties. Yeah. Like my neighbor's a plumber and sometimes, and he has his own plumbing company with employees, fair size. Sometimes he'll be like, hey, I need a hand on this. Like my guy's not experienced. Can you come and give me a hand and I have a free day? That's fun. Yeah. We go out for the day, whatever. It's like hanging out with a buddy. Right. That's, that's enjoyable, but when I'm there in my own building, I'm like, I gotta sell this thing, I hate this thing, right? I get frustrated, I, I do, it happens, right? But you just keep trekking along, right? There's, there's nobody that just has, or I don't know anybody that just has a story and says, yeah, everything's perfect, it was great. Right. right? There's always times where like, I should just sell everything, that's it. Right, right, but overall, that's it, cool. Any so other like, questions? Any, any other questions? Good to go. Cool. So we're going to, um, I mean, like everybody can feel free to hang out, you know, meet Mike in person, ask some more questions. But I guess any parting thoughts for the group, anything you want to leave us with? I really appreciate all the knowledge and information and just 
I mean, the, the biggest thing and the biggest thing that's helped me out is if you guys are looking to start or grow into bigger portfolios is have a, a really good support system. Other guys that you talk to, you know, weekly, daily that are actually doing it and doing bigger things than you. Right now, buying this 19 unit, for example, because I've taken on another role with, with a bigger company, I'm like, 19 units, that's so small. Yeah. Right? I'm like, I need bigger. Like These guys are putting offers in on 65 units and 85 units and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah. this is small. Like, When am I getting the next one? I right. want the next one, right? That, that's one of the things that goes back to the motivation too. Right. And then seeing that he's now brought on a team and is working like five hours a month. Right, and yet everything is still rolling. Right? right, I'm out there finding properties. Right, there's other people doing property management. So you know, he's at the cottage or on vacation, but yet his company's still growing. Right, right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, support system. That's I think the biggest thing. Right, always keep learning, meeting new people, people doing bigger and better things. Um, you'll just naturally buy more and do more. Well, and you never know where, where. Where are you going to meet that person that's going to fit right into that support yeah. circle and system for you? Because I know, I mean, we met at a training event a few years ago. We were just at a table together, and all of a sudden, we were like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm Curtis. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I'm Mike. And then we just started talking, and then we just, you know, connected, and on you go. And then, you know, they, I mean, every now and again, I give you a ring or I give you an email, I have a question about something, that we're able to bounce off each yeah. other and feed off each other. And also, like, you're bigger, like, yeah. I mean, portfolio wise, so then that inspires the other investors that you're in. For sure. Circle with, but you're, you know, like there's so many different levels to it, right? Yeah. Like for smaller investors, you're the guy that they can kind of go to. But then for you, you know, like you're connected with guys that own 40, 50, 100 million in real estate. Yeah. You're connected yeah. with them, and it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Just just on that topic, I was at a, an event um, last month, and then I went to one like the next day, and I met a guy who was at both events, and get talking with him, and he's done a few like wholesale deals. Are you guys familiar with wholesale? Right, so he's done uh, a few of those, and I'm thinking, okay, this guy knows his stuff. He's wholesaling property. I find out that he ha he's had a kid early. Um, he's still renting with his wife, but he really wants to get into uh, real estate. Doesn't have the money. Says, no way, I'm going to be able to save the money, um, but I want to get you know into real estate somehow. So we get talking, and I've been thinking, having conversations. That's the guy who's probably going to take over my property management side, my first employee, right? And he, I'm going to, you know. He'll be in a full-time position. Make him a stakeholder. That will keep him doing what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah. So we haven't figured that stuff out, but just, you know, meeting somebody like that, you know, working, struggling a little bit, you know, um, you know, you get talking with him, and that's probably going to be one of my greatest assets down the road if it works out, right? Who knows? He could be the guy who grows the whole, you know, property management division, you know, with multiple property managers. So. Yeah. Small little contact like that. Yeah, you right? never know. You never know. Any last questions, anybody? Dude, I, I just want to say I super appreciate this. This was awesome. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be exciting to see where you take it. Yeah, the next few years will be will be exciting. I'm kind of excited because now in the multifamily is just starting to gain traction. A lot of off-market properties, a lot of partners coming in. Yeah. So we'll see we'll see the next few years. Well, we're gonna to have to have you out again. We appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. An update. Cool man. Awesome. Well, can we ask for a spontaneous <laughs> round of applause? Oh. Thank you, everybody. I'm going to hang out for a bit, so come and say hi. <laughs>